Good morning and welcome to worship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Please join me in the prayer of the day. God of all peoples, your, your arms reach out to embrace all those who call upon you. Teach us as disciples of your Son to love the world with compassion and consistency, that your name may be known throughout the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our gospel today is from the 15th chapter of Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him, and she said, Lord, help me. And he replied, It is not right to take the, children, not, is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that hour on. The Gospel of our Lord. Again, I invite you to join me this morning in praying the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together today. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. To say the least, Jesus has been on the move. Now, how long it takes him to get from one location to another, we can only guess. This town that our gospel talks about today, it referenced Tyre and Sidon. Just to give you a little bit of perspective, Tyre and Sidon are on the Mediterranean Sea, and that's 39 miles from the Sea of Galilee to Tyre. 39 miles. What is that? Maybe three quarters of the way up to Laughlin? What is Laughlin? 50 miles? something like that, 39 miles to Tyre. Now we know back in that day, the means of transportation was probably walking or maybe taking a cart uh, of some sort pulled by some kind of an animal. It's a long ways. It's, it's, it's probably a hard, hard day's walk. I mean, I don't know how many of you can imagine walking 40 miles in a day, but it's doable. It's certainly doable, but it would be a long day. The thing that I find peculiar about this text is that in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that Jesus withdrew to this region of Tyre and Sidon. And this is the only account, this one encounter that Jesus has with this Canaanite woman. It is the only encounter that we have that's recorded about what Jesus did when he went to Tyre and Sidon and he took a 39-mile walk to get there. And this is the only story we have about Jesus 
It just seems peculiar, doesn't it? Well, one of the things that we also know in biblical history is that there has been significant friction. You know, back in the day when God said, you know, hey, you guys, we're going to send you into the promised land. Well, you know what the promised land was when they entered into Cana. Well, ever since the Israelites entered into the promised land, there has been, there's been friction. And there's been a lot of friction between the Israelites and the Canaanite people for a long time. As a matter of fact, I'm, that's, that's, that's saying it lightly. I mean, there were probably thousands of people who died because of that friction. It's, it's more than just a minor friction between the Canaanites and the Israelites. We know that from biblical history. We also know that at this particular time of Jesus, that at that time, a lot of the people who claimed to be Canaanites were no longer even in that area. And so this, this area along the Mediterranean Sea, it had become kind of an area where uh, it, was, it was a multiplicity of various people from various ethnic backgrounds, various religious backgrounds, and various uh, pagan beliefs. So you had kind of this mishmash of all kinds of people living in this, this seaport town of Tyre, okay? Right on the Mediterranean Sea. And of all places, Jesus chooses to travel there. And we have this one single encounter recorded with Jesus and this Canaanite woman. There had to have been others. I mean, you just can't imagine that Jesus walked 39 miles not to just encounter this one woman and then, oh, by the way, turn around and go, oh, it's time to go head back. You know, I, I just can't imagine that's how it really happened. But the question that I've been pondering all week is, you know, what is this word for us today? How are we challenged by this story that seems, when you really listen to it, when you really listen to this encounter that Jesus has with this woman, this this is, this is hard to grasp. It's hard to understand. It doesn't make sense in a certain sense. We also know that from several other encounters that Jesus has had with other people, that he did have a history. Jesus had a very, very prevalent history of being with people who were considered to be on the fringes of culture and religious practice. You can read through the all four gospel accounts and multiple times in all four gospel accounts you hear the Pharisees and the Sadducees saying, here's Jesus, he's the one that hangs out with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and oh, by the way, Jesus and his disciples, you know, they happen to be the ones that on multiple occasions have broken religious customs. I mean, it's like Jesus has been accused of a lot of things. And he has a history of hanging out with people on the fringes. As a matter of fact, it was, it was not uncommon at all for Jesus to have table fellowship to gather around with, with people who were outside of the norm. And so, as I have tried to delve into this text this week and study it and, and read up on it, the type of response that Jesus has with this Canaanite woman, I, for one... I, for one, am taken aback by it. I don't know about you. How would you like to be told, oh, by the way, 
I'm not going to take my crumbs and feed them to you. You're not deserving of my crumbs off of my table. I mean, that's kind of an insult, isn't it? How would you, how would you take it if you were told, you're not deserving of these crumbs off of my table? It just seems so out of character for Jesus to say such a harsh thing. And yet, I also find this Canaanite woman's response to be even more surprising and actually very assertive. But maybe that's the point of the story. I mean, ask yourself this. Have you ever questioned God? Have you ever really questioned God in your life? I think if you're really honest with yourself, you can say there's been many times when you've questioned God. And I think in a certain sense, she was basically saying to Jesus, hey, wait a second. What are you saying to me? So one of the things I want us to think about, and this, this, is, this is some hard stuff. This is some hard stuff. But I, I want us to think about this a little bit today, and I'm going to be asking you some questions that, you know, you may not grab on to all of the questions, but maybe one or two of them will resonate with you. And I want to throw this one out. Is there room in our faith journeys? Is there room in our faith journeys to let go of our image of the perfect Jesus? Is there room? When you question God, when you question Jesus, are you questioning his perfection? Are you questioning that? Are you questioning John? Maybe. I'm throwing it out there. Is, there. is there room in our faith journeys to let go of our image of this perfect Jesus and to see the real human person that Jesus is and yet at the same time truly divine but he, he was a human being who's challenged with a question by an outsider. And the question that she pretty much asked and th- these were some questions that I picked up from a wonderful theologian, Deb Thomas. I've mentioned her many times. But basically what this woman is saying to Jesus after he kind of says to her, these crumbs aren't even worthy of being given to you off my table. She's coming right back at him and she says, where's my good news? Where's the good news for me? Yeah, I'm an outsider. Yeah, I'm a Canaanite. Yeah, I'm a woman. Where's the good news for me? Where's my place at the table? Is there, is there room for me, Jesus, at the table that you fellowship with other people and all of this goodness that you have Jesus when will your goodness be enough for me and my daughter in in a certain sense that's really what she's asking Jesus when she confronts him do you and I have room in our faith our walk of faith to consider the idea that Jesus in this particular encounter that he was challenged by this woman's persistence, and that in being challenged by this woman's persistence, he began to realize the greater purpose of his mission by being challenged by her. There's a seminary professor. Her her name is Professor Barbara Brown Taylor. She's a highly respected theologian in the Protestant seminary world. And she puts out this consideration for us She says that the Canaanite woman's faith and persistence brought to light, brought to light God's purpose for Jesus, a purpose that is bigger than Jesus had imagined, that there's enough of Jesus to go around. 
I think that's kind of an interesting perspective. That somehow this woman's perspective challenged Jesus to realize that his purpose was greater than Jesus had imagined and that she was basically saying, there's enough of you, Jesus, to go around, even for me, an outsider, me, a Canaanite woman. That this Canaanite woman somehow persuaded Jesus through her persistence that there was room for her and her daughter at the table. I know that I have been personally challenged this week with this text, and yet there are some questions out there by multiple theologians that have been posed about this text, and and one of the persons that poses a multitude of questions is this theologian that I quote oftentimes. Her name is Deb Thomas, and I'm going to throw a few questions at you to think about. She said, what would it be like? She says, what would it be like to follow in the footsteps of Jesus who listens to the urgent challenges of the other, of the outsider? What would it be like to follow in the footsteps of a Jesus who listens to the urgent challenge of the other? And then she goes on, she says, what would it be like to follow in the footsteps of Jesus who humbles himself long enough to learn what only a vulnerable outsider can teach us? You know, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in that situation a lot. I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of people that I encounter on a weekly basis who come to me who are in very vulnerable situations. And yet, there's a part of me that says, I, I, I learn from them. I learn from their vulnerability. And I think that's part of my role as a pastor, is to listen to people in the midst of their vulnerability. And in a certain sense, for me to not, to, to not only hopefully minister to them, but that they also make it possible for me to learn something about what it means to be vulnerable. Another question that she asks is, what would it be like for us as people of faith, what would it be like for us to stop limiting who we will be for other people and who we will let them be for us? I think that's a good challenging question, not only for us, but it's a question for the entire Judeo-Christian world. It's it's a question for us as Americans who say that we live in a Judeo-Christian society and culture. What would it be like to stop limiting who we will be for other people and who we will let them be for us? And the final question that she asks is, what would it be like to insist on good news for people who don't look, who don't speak, who don't behave, or who don't worship like we do? What would it be like to insist on Good news for people who don't look, speak, behave, or worship like we do. These are very deep, challenging questions and I think all of us need to wrestle with. How many of you have seen the movie Grand Torino with Clint Eastwood? Come on, raise your hand. I want to see how many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, so some of you have seen it. This question, especially this question about What would it be like to stop limiting who we will be for other people and who we will let them be for us? I just see Grand Trino all over this. You know, you got Clint Eastwood, you know, he's this old crotchety guy. You know, he's kind of got his ways set in the world and, you know, everything's black and white. And yet he lives right next door to a Hmong community, Hmong Hmong family, and the grandparents live there, and the great-grandparents live there, and the grandkids live there, and they all live together in this kind of communal living, and they don't speak English, you know. 
And he's kind of like, I don't have the time of day for you people over there. And yet, all throughout this movie, there's this relationship that starts to meld and web together. And all of a sudden, Clint Eastwood, this old crotchety guy who sees the world as black and white, and, you know, there's no gray, and they're all I sit around and I drink beer all day. All of a sudden, he begins to see life differently because he opens himself up to them and sees them as human beings. What would it be like to stop limiting who we will be for other people and who we will let them be for us? If you haven't seen Gran Torino, I want to encourage you to see it. It's got some pretty significant theological perspectives. Reverend David Loos also helps us as well in our understanding of this story today. And he wrote this. David Loos is the pastor at Mount of Olive Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a church with 10,000 members. Can you imagine that? Would you like to be a member of a church with 10,000 members? He says, this woman did not retreat to silence, but she spoke out, offering a testimony that rings down through the ages because what she said in the words of Reverend David Lowe says that she's saying to Jesus, she's saying to Jesus, see me. See me as a person, Jesus. Not as a woman, not as a Canaanite, not as a minority or a foreigner or someone different with a different religion or who has a burden, but see me, see me as a person, as a child of God. And because of her persistence, Jesus did see her as a person. And I think that's the question before us today. How do we see those out there who are the other, the foreigner, the outsider? Are we willing to see them as people, as child, children of God? I think that's a question for us. It's a question for our entire church. It's a question for the Christian church. It's a question for our culture here in the United States. When are we going to start seeing people for who they are? They're just simply people. They're simply children of God. In light of the story today before us, the question for each of us is, will we allow ourselves and our preconceived boundaries about who's in and who's out, will we allow ourselves to be challenged as we walk this journey with Jesus to maybe perhaps have a change of heart, to change a perspective, have a change of attitude and a change in how we see the other? We just heard from Isaiah, the 56th chapter. And in light of those words as we hear the prophet exclaim that the sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those who have already gathered. In other words, God's not done yet. Isaiah's been telling us that for a long time, that God's not done yet, that God's continuing to gather people unto God. And when we look at this encounter between Jesus and the Canaanite woman, we can hear her persistent plea Will we hear her saying, see me, see me as a person, not as a woman, not as a Canaanite, not as a minority or a foreigner or someone from a different religion or as a burden, but see me as a person, see me as a child of God. These are prophetic, thought-provoking, and transformative words. They are challenging. It causes us to ask hard questions, and yet, is that not what you and I are meant to do on a daily basis? Is to claim the promises of Jesus, to claim his grace and his mercy for us, and to look at Jesus, the only one who can truly save any of us, in the midst of our own, what did the Apostle Paul talk? All of us are bound over into disobedience. All of us. 
in the midst of our disobedience, in the midst of our blindness, isn't isn't that what we are meant to do every single day, is to see with the eyes of Christ and to proclaim and to live a journey with Jesus that says there's enough of Jesus to go around. There's enough of Jesus to go around. And to know that Jesus and God are still gathering yet others unto himself. Amen. I invite you to join me now as we pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, and lead trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Hallelujah. Go in peace and share the good news. And thanks be to God.